Dear listeners of the Female Guides Requested Podcast, Happy Wednesday! This is your host Tingting, and our guest today is Julia Niles. Julia was the first woman to solo the Grand Traverse in a day, as well as part of the first all-female ski descent of the Grand Teton. She has guided Danali and Aconcagua, climbed El Capitan multiple times. And put up first ascents and descents in the Canadian Rockies, Wyoming, and South Africa. Julia's mountain powers eventually earned her the title of Certified AMGA IFMGA Mountain Guide. She was the fifth American woman to reach this status. Right now, Julia lives in Squamish, BC, Canada, with her two children. She is an athlete for Arcteryx and splits her time between guiding, parenting, and her new counseling business, Mountain Mindset. I have heard impressive stories about Julia, about her gnarly achievements in the mountains, and about her toughness. So I was nervous to even contact her for an interview, but I was so glad I did. She was fabulous. During this interview, she offered thoughtful answers, shared relatable life experience. Listening to her calm and soft voice, I could sense this inner strength, and her love towards mountains and the people she worked with. I love this interview. We talk about guiding, of course, but at the end, I realized what we really talk about was life. I don't even know how to summarize this. And I think it's totally worth your time to listen to this episode from the very beginning to the end. Trust me on this one and enjoy. Thank you so much for.、Um... Accepting my invitation to do this podcast. Yes, <laughs> I'm nervous a little bit. Oh, why? Why are you nervous? I'm actually nervous myself. But I try to <laughs> talk to people. Say this is just a a friendly chat conversation. So trying to ease myself up and also help、uh, the other party to be more relaxed because、uh, I think a lot of people really want to know your stories. You have a long career so far, right? How many、uh, is that? Like over twenty years that you have been guiding, right? Yeah. Well, if you count, like when I started trip leading, because、um, I took kids hiking in the Adirondacks, so I wasn't really guiding yet.、Um, but I was、um, helping out the other trip leader who was、uh, like. Starting a rock climbing program, so it started at seventeen, kind of.、Um, yeah,、uh-huh. and seventeen—that <laughs> was like fun. Like, and you are still very young, so it's、yeah. it's kind of hard、yeah. to imagine you already have this long career. Yeah, I mean that was that was nineteen ninety seven. It's kind of a long time ago. Um, thank you. That's very nice to call me young. I feel like I'm right, sort of in the middle, and as a guide, sort of in the. Older side of things at this point. <laughs>、uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, nowadays I see a lot of older people still ripping in like the mountains. So I mean, you are like not even close that age. So definitely, it's very young. And yeah. so、um, I have a bunch of questions. There's a lot of, but I would love to know how you like started your outdoor pursuit. So I learned that you start playing in the outdoor very young, but. What kind of inspired you to stay there, and how did it all start?、Mm. Uh, excellent question.、Um, I would say probably the the most、mm, important influence of my outdoor career was my grandfather,、um, and he was he died when I was seventeen.、Um, But he spent his life building cabins from scratch. So we built two—one in Vermont and one in Driggs, Idaho. And the one in Driggs, Idaho, we still own, and I go to sometimes. It was sort of why I ended up in Jackson, guiding for Jacksonville Mountain Guides.、Um, and yeah, he—he he was just like a total mountain man. He got us into horseback riding and caving and skiing and. He was kind of hardcore. Like when he was、um, young, he would get all his kids skiing, and and it was like the hardcore program. They would show up before the lifts opened, and、um, that he would make everyone come back and have lunch on the tailgate. Like they weren't allowed in the lodges.、Um, and so from a very young age, he was just always getting us outdoors and facilitating,、um, yeah, mountain adventures. So it was like that was the the start. Um, but then there was a there was another very big formative one. It was an outward bound trip when I was sixteen, I think, and we were rock climbing in the Sierra Nevada. And one of the instructors said, "So it was a month long trip, and we're in the back country for a month." And that alone was just so awesome. And we're rock climbing, and and one of the instructors is like, "You know, rock climbing is one of those sports that." Um, women are often just as good as men because they're they're using their grace and their footwork, and you know there's more to it than just raw power. And that to me was a pretty good hook.、So. Nice. I would say <laughs>、yeah. that your instructor is kind of half half correct because <laughs> because I think women actually on rock climbing can be better. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah, and you know, I he might have actually said that. I'm not sure exactly. Right, of think, course, I think that actually might be. I was just trying to be like gentle. <laughs>、uh, <laughs> but I, I mean, no, I but, understand. Yeah, you know, like as as a woman in this traditional man dominate world, I think early years people just like, oh, whatever men can do, women can do. But I think right now there's a trend, which is like we are pretty independent. We don't have to compare to them.、It's, We can do what we wanted to do. I think,、um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Although, I mean, we can do what we want to do, but we have to factor in the fact that we have faced a lot of oppression along the way, and、um, so we're not always going to match up. We don't have the same privileges and opportunities, and that is true.、Support. Yeah, and so, that remind me that so、uh, you have quite a resume. That、uh, I said you have quite a resume.、Uh, 
have all this gnarly first ascent, descent, and all the things. And back then, when so we were talking about this man and woman. Back then, did you even have the thought that okay, you know, I kind of want to prove myself, or were you just kind of genuinely really enjoying that? Was kind of can put that aside? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the competitive part, the proving yourself, the, all that stuff is like a little bit um, um, been a miss for me. Like that's not why I was ever doing anything, um, any of my sports. Although it was all around me, and so sometimes I would kind of get like caught up in the river of that. Um, just in the sense that, like, oh wow, he's sponsored. He can do any of the trips he dreams up. What an amazing thing. And so that, that like, just how much that would expand my opportunities would, was actually sort of seductive at various (laughs) points. Um, And, you know, I did actually kind of go that way a couple of times, Um, but it wasn't, I never was in it for the grade. I still am not. Like I do it because it's actually really good for me <laughs> to just be out there in the mountains and pushing myself and um, facing my um, limits and uh, fears and having adventures and and with my friends, you know, um, and making new friends. So to me, that's really always been what it's about. Um, even at the beginning, like, yeah, I was drawn in sometimes to like doing bigger things um, and having something maybe that's validated by the outside world that people could understand, you know, like the Grand Teton, everyone could kind of understand the Grand Teton, you know, so it was easier to explain what I was doing. to like family and friends, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I haven't ever really been that motivated by being um, the best or proving myself or being better than others. It's just been a calling. And so, and when did you decide that you might want to be a guide? (laughs) It was pretty early. Like, I mean, I was young. I was climbing obsessively in university. Like I... I went to Colorado College and it was 1998 and I had just done that outward bound course. And so I literally showed up to university, like all I want to do is climb. And for the first three months, I climbed every single day. <laughs> wow, every single day. So yeah, I'm yeah. going to imagine. So you don't yeah, even take a the rest beauty. It's the beauty of the block system. So we all had class from like nine to noon and then every student, so it wasn't just me, was free from noon on. And Whoa. like yeah, you're supposed to do your homework and you're in science labs and stuff. Um, so you look like your early mountain days and then particularly that one month long in, in the back country really kind of have yeah. a very profound influence. Yeah. So, yeah, like really being, I mean, that back then we didn't have cell phones and well, we did, but it wasn't like you were, it was impossible to disconnect from technology. So I don't think it was that, but 
I think I just felt more myself and I felt hopeful in the world. I think actually, to be honest, like I've used, I've used all this stuff as like a way to manage my own trauma and, you know, like coming, like, who am I really? And why am, what's worth living in, in the mountains? I could answer those questions. Um, I see. So you feel like being in the mountains, you have the challenge in the space. So then you can reflect a pound and just be yourself kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I think I just found a, um, something I could be doing where I just felt really good. I see. Yeah. yeah. So, so then, then you want to be a guy that's, that means that you want to also bring that experience to other people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, and that's, I think part of guiding is like, it's, it's like, I just like being in the mountains and it's not always about doing the hardest or most rad thing. It's a lot of the time it's like really just enjoying, um, for example, I get a lot of pleasure out of just climbing easy routes and Squamish and guiding people up the chief. And, you know, I've done a lot of those routes many, <laughs> many, many times. And I, I just am in my happy place up there. So nice. Yeah. 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 And then, then Mike kind of made me wonder. So I know that you also guide a lot of ski tours. Um, yeah. So you also guide, uh, maybe alpine objective and also like rock climbing day like day trip for example in squamish i would say yeah. so you uh your guiding activities span a quite a variety but you just enjoy being there but i found that a lot of clients come in to say have a guided day they also they they are they have this objective in mind say okay i want summit uh i want to yeah. get to the top so how do you negotiate with that say if well because the weather or because whatever reason then for them to have still a good experience at the end mm. yeah well i mean that's just being a guide okay <laughs> weather and and conditions and abilities and reading all of that and managing people's expectations is like a giant part of the job. And I mean, that's not usually too hard. Most of the clients that I work with are really wonderful, reasonable people that understand the limits of, um, you know, themselves or conditions or these days, other people in Squamish were really dealing with, um, lineups on routes and stuff and having to work with that and you know you show up to do a route I've gotten someone super excited about and then there's six people lined up at 6 a.m yeah. <laughs> so we change plans and you know I, I don't find that that's actually that that disappointing usually there's lots of other options and I see yeah, yeah. I, I mean I certainly I Noted, the Squamish has been getting more and more popular mm -hmm. uh, these recent years, too. So uh, negotiate with the crowds always kind of like in the mind of guides. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I uh, see, let me just looking at my notes. <laughs> yeah. And so can you describe a little bit of your first, uh, your pursuit of your pin? Because uh, you are the, I think I researched online, you are the fifth female yeah, yeah. Uh, IFMGA mountain guide based in U.S. back yeah. then, you based in yeah. the United States. Yeah. And I just kind of can imagine, I think right now, I think in the States, probably only 20. I don't know the exact number, but there's still like not that many female yeah. mountain guys. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it seems like there's been an acceleration in recent years, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's, I, and I think actually there's a lot of women in like specialty guides and then, and even in Canada, but le- fewer that like fully go for the full IFMGA. Um, for me, um, I, oh, yeah, so I just wanted to clarify as well. I think it was that I tied with Angela Hawes, who is my mentor, and I got to do a bunch of exams and courses with her, and that was just such a pleasure. Nice, um, yeah. Yes, and uh, and then, uh, yeah, so there were women that I got to do some of those things w- with, and, and that meant a lot. It was actually really nice to have have some camaraderie in the, in the process. Um, yeah, I, I was kind of lucky. I was a little bit early, so I think I could skip a couple of the early courses. Oh, so back then you can still kind of challenge the, yeah. 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 So, uh, I think I challenged the first Alpine course and first, um, rock course. And then, uh, yeah, it was, you know, there were some ups and downs for sure. I mean, there, there's probably lots of stories I could tell. I'd, I'd have, I don't know if you want me to, but there's, you know, it would take some honing in. It was, it was um, really hard at some points. Um, and then other points were just absolutely wonderful and glorious and joyful. Um, and, and then, and then, you know, you really have to be clear about why you're doing what you're doing and and also manage your um, stress levels. I mean, those exams are hard and and um, examiners are all over the map. And and, you know, at the time, I actually made some conclusions that I don't think are like the best conclusions. You know, it's like. <laughs> I did a lot of like maybe uh, acting more like a, you know, within the male value system than maybe I think is healthy. Like I would project confidence, you know, and do less collaborating with other people than I think I would naturally do in life um, so that I could pass those exams. Um, A little bit, you know, in general, we're taught like don't, 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 try to take the exam based on what you think the examiner wants. But at the time there was, there had to be a lot of that happening. Um, yeah. And I think that, nowadays so. probably it still happens. Like people yeah. will ask around, Oh, you know, my examiner is going to be this person. And yeah. 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 But I had some amazing like Art Mooney. Uh, oh, Art Mooney. Mooney. I have him. <laughs> oh yeah. Well. yeah. I mean, Colin Zacharias, 
Rob Hess. I mean, like some of my examiners were like just the best people in the world that I just still love and respect and admire. And and then there were difficult personalities. It's like, <laughs> you know, so like, you know, we were, we're just uh, balancing all those things. Um, yeah. And I like yeah. that you say just like life, you know, is yeah. Um, yeah. Because um, yeah. I know that a lot of uh, women, um, they came in and they would maybe as maybe the rock guy course or alpine course or whatever course and they they hesitate because they have one bad say encounter or something and yeah. then because i people came to me uh so i'm a spi provider and they came to me and telling me that oh the previous provider was like they have a scary horrible experience which was a little bit hard to imagine and I mean, hopefully that was just a one-time experience. Mm -hmm. And I, so I was wondering that, um, how do you cope? Did you ever experience that? Just maybe a, a little bit second guessing, se second doubting and thinking about that. Oh, you know, I don't know, uh, what's gonna happen. So how do you come that for maybe like for newer now female guys for them to navigate yeah. through this? Terrain. Yeah. 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 You know, I think times are changing. I think for me personally, I was, I was like so very motivated and, um, I played in the mountains with a lot of the guides that I'd worked with and that were doing the courses. I felt entirely, um, validated to be there. Like I didn't feel like I was, um, you know, I may be overcompensated sometimes skill-wise because I was a woman and I, I felt like I deserved to be there. And um, that doesn't mean that I wasn't hit with nerves in any given moment and day. Um, and then I actually can see that like confidence can be an issue, like, like, cause we don't see a ton of other female mountain guides out there. And and so I think there are lots of different issues to address. And with the confidence, I think that, I think that it's just realizing like, you're going to be you out there and you're going to bring to people, you know, the examination process is actually very different from the guide process. It is. Yes. Why are you going to be a guide? You're going to, it's actually a service industry uh, job. You want to like people and to help people and to contribute to their day. Like you want to make their experience great. And so how can you connect with them? How can you um, make sure that they feel safe, um, respected? Um, and do you have something to offer? And, and then the examination process is like a hoop to jump through if that's what you are sure you want to do. And, and I think you can do it in tons of different ways. Like you don't have to be the most technically competent to pass the exam. You just have to compensate for that somehow. Like you have to say, okay, like for me, I'm doing this because this is specifically how I want to guide and who I want to guide. And I'm very clear about that. Um, and the hoops that you have to jump through, if that's, um, you know, say, for example, you're, 
you're not as technically competent with the rescue skills. You know, you're, you're going to have to practice a whole lot more, <laughs> you know, and and maybe hire another guide for a little, little bit, right? So I think it is good to go into it as prepared as you can because the exam stress is real. <laughs> uh, yes. It's a lot. And it's like a lot all at once. You're exhausted and you still have to do it again the next day and the next day. And the next yeah, I like the way you uh, say that it's like guiding is a service industry. But those things that we are not examined during our assessments uh, in the exams, um, yeah. we pretty much ex uh, assess the, the, the technical component because it's always contrived to serve the examiners to. So well, it's and this not is real. the problem with yeah. the whole thing is that like we're not actually it's it's sort of a soft skill mm -hmm. career it's all about people it's all about how you connect to people how you make them feel and um are you lifting them up or are you breaking them down and um it's not presented through the it's actually a flaw of the ifmga yeah. or the amga to not actually focus on how to um you know like the i think in the examination process they do say client care right client yes. care that's like more like did you stop for lunch which actually <laughs> i failed on once <laughs> so you know we are climbing the north ridge of mount baker uh i remember i was like getting so stressed i was like getting a cold sore and you know it was like I think we were struggling with weather, so we were moving all around. And so we're on Mount Baker. It's the end of the exam. And it's like, you know, September, and we're doing the complete North Ridge of Baker. So it's like, it's all ice. Like, it's just like 18 pitches of ice climbing, <laughs> which is not a problem for me. Like, I love that. I was like having a great time guiding, but, you know, apparently telling my clients, my fake clients, right? And this is the problem. Right, exactly. Clients, like they actually are. This is always when I sort of failed in my exam process is that I couldn't, I, I don't play games. Like I couldn't. Yeah, I mean, you, and, you have to pretend that they, they weren't move, who they were. Right. <laughs> yeah. So they're competent people. I'm like, when you're not belaying and you're at the belay, eat your food. <laughs> it's a big day. We're not yes. going like, to stop for lunch, but. <laughs> I don't I, name names, but my examiner wasn't pleased with that. <laughs> Apparently, I don't know. Sometimes I felt like I was getting picked on, but not really, like not with most people. With actually, I think a lot of times I was actually really lucky to be female. Like I got early on, it was before they stopped giving um, scholarships. Oh, okay. They, nice. they gave, they, for me, I got a lot of scholarships. Like every single thing that I did, I got a scholarship for. Whereas after I went through the program, they only gave a person one scholarship each. So I see. Wow. So yeah. I got very lucky financially with it as well. So, um, yeah, I, I like you say the, the client care because I, I was also got criticized about my client care and I was just, I can't coach them, their movement. I mean, they can't uh -huh. really solo that terrain. So, um, so I know how do you, what, like, like you, you have no trouble with this. So why should I like try and contrive that you're just some random client who has no ability and all clients have different abilities too. So, yeah. you know, you just work with what you have and, and, it, and 
Yeah, and then like that, you point out that that might be the flaw that the I have FMG or AMGA they present that this mountain guiding is all about hard skill, or maybe that's not their intention. But certainly, a lot of people not getting、uh, yeah. the complete、uh, yeah. image. Yeah, and you、skill. have to have those hard skills. Yes, so that's、sure. important. Yeah, and, yeah, and and you also mentioned that so you did a lot of、uh, your courses exam with Angela Haas, and,、mm-hmm. and she she is fantastic, and、mm-hmm. I also need to interview her. You、uh, really do. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and yeah. can you describe it how、uh, with that、uh, camaraderie and the mentorship kind of play、uh, a part in in your whole process? Yeah. Well, I mean. For me, it was kind of cool—a cool progression because I just heard of her. She was like legendary <laughs> when I started guiding. I started guiding at American Alpine Institute in 2000,、mm-hmm. um, and went through their like in-house training program. And she had been guiding there, I think, way before me. And you know, I was like aware of the other women around me. There weren't many of them, and sometimes. Not always. Like there were actually a lot of really wonderful, friendly women. Sometimes women were like a little like competitive or like, "Oh, you're stepping on my toes," sort of vibe.、Um, and so, you know, I'd like admire people from afar, but not know what they would be like when I met them.、Um, and Angela is one of those people that when I finally met her, and I actually literally, I think I still remember we were in Jackson, and. Uh, happened to cross paths in the park, and she was so wonderful and gracious. And、um, she was like, "Yeah, I've heard of you too." <laughs> and,、uh, yeah, that that was really sweet. And so I, yeah, I really, I really valued her、um, experience. And then, you know, and then we started doing these exams and courses together, and. Um, thoughtfulness and care, and also、um, respected how she had,、um, you know, pushed through the ranks as a woman, and not a big woman either. Like you know, and and、um, yeah, she yeah she was she was wonderful. I remember we were we did a、uh, shaksin together in an alpine exam. And stayed in a tent together, and on the way down, she had a a knee injury or something, and and everyone was off ahead, and we just hiked in the back together, and you know, connected and talked, and just having those little moments with people, and like realizing, like, oh yeah, you know, it's not actually about who's going fastest, and、um, yeah, really kind of challenging those.、Um, Values, I think, in the in the ACM, AMGA and AMG, I think it's really good. Nice.、Yeah. And so back then, did you、uh, seek out mentors, or you just kind of just happen? Yeah, I was like immersed. I was a hundred percent obsessed with climbing and skiing, and was just immersed. Like I, I hung out with a lot of guides, and yeah, back then. Um. Yeah. So I mean, my mentors w- were 
were both mentors and peers, a lot of them. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I would seek them out in the sense that I would, I knew when to show respect and ask questions and um, did a lot of that. Nice. Yeah, and did a lot of observing and um, I loved working with other guides early on. I still do. I like, I, I'm a work in progress. I'm always trying to learn. And so, yeah, I work with other guides as much as I possibly can because I, I learn way more and faster. And Yeah. And, and so I noticed one thing that uh, at one point you lost a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And then that story, I just, it's a little bit hard to imagine. I know that many athletes and guys, they, you know, they always worry about getting injured. They are very careful about injuries. And then a lot of time the injury can last weeks, even months. And then they have to, well, negotiate their career path because they can guide and yada, yada and all that. How, how, how did that happen? And how did you cope with that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. The, the long story was, it was pretty profound because I was like, at the time, fully immersed in like a high altitude mountain guiding um, career. So it was quite shocking. Um, although I had just started law school. <laughs> so I was always trying to like get a real job. That didn't <laughs> last. I didn't stay at law school. Uh, so, um, um, but it is actually, I just finished a master's of counseling. So I am nice starting another job now so that would be your real job <laughs> yeah because i mean because of this thing like with the lung like i'm very aware that i could get injured and i'm you know a single parent and i need to always make money like i can't just not be employed um and so yeah as a contractor which is what a lot of us guides are you know it's not we're not covered if we get injured um so, so yeah, I, I have a backup plan now. Well, but, it's nice. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. But I'll, I'll tell the story of the lung okay. thing. So, so I was, uh, there were, there were multiple signs for about two years. Like I had had some like weird lung things. Like I'd wake up in the middle of the night coughing for no reason. Like I wasn't sick and that sort of thing. Um, and then, you know, I really wanted to do random rallies, like racing on touring gear. Um, and then I remember not entering a race cause I just wasn't breathing right. And, um, you know, I would wheeze sometimes and, um, and I'm used to being really fit. Like, you know, we used to just race up mountains. Like that was like sort of the joy was to like, when we were hiking glory, we would like constantly try and catch the next person, you know, it was like fun to be fit and move fast in the mountains um and I was less and less able to do that and then uh I was guiding Denali and ended up having to take a round of antibiotics at 14 camp so what was happening was I had about 90 percent of my left lung blocked by this tumor and uh I couldn't exhale all of the little particles that normally we cough up really quickly. Um, so, so 
my lungs were just getting mostly the left one was getting infected, but then it would move to the right one as well. So um, I had bronchitis basically at 14,000 feet. And so I took a round of antibiotics and then kept going um, and ended up having, you know, successfully getting my rope team to the summit and back down. But um, it was really hard for me. It was way hard. Like normally altitude sort of was like no big deal. And I think I was, tw I must've been 25. And it was hard. It was like really hard. I remember coming down and sort of crying. I remember at one point I was guiding with Dean Bowers. Uh, yeah, sorry. He was the wonderful guide his past. Um, good friend. And I remember like, cause he kind of like was, you know, had no tolerance for weakness. And I remember I was like, really worked as we got up to high camp. And I, I was just like, how can I rest? I need to rest somehow. So I just like, I was like, I'll do the stoves. And I gathered up all the stoves and started heating up water because I needed a job that was, um, yeah, not building tent platforms and being super active. But yeah, I, I came down and I remember going off to the edge of the world, this little lookout and just crying. Wow, that was like, really epic something's wrong and I got down at the end of that trip and I don't have a lot of weight to lose to start with and like I could see every single rib like I had lost 25 pounds or something <laughs> and yeah so it was it was like something was wrong and then I just it was like eight rounds of pneumonia and bronchitis and no health insurance I had no health insurance because I'm a contractor and I'm young and I'm healthy and I was like yeah Obamacare didn't exist. Yet. So I, I uh, luckily started law school. And so I got the student insurance, which um, kind of finally got me into getting more testing on my lungs. And um, a bronchoscopy showed that I had a lung tumor and I, you know, ended up, yeah after two years discovering that I was, um, yeah, had a tumor and was gonna have to, the first doctor was like, oh yeah, we're gonna have to take out your lung. And then we found a better doctor that was like, well, we'll do our best to take out half. Well, we'll we have to remove the whole Y junction, but we're gonna try and sew the upper lobe back on to the bronchus stem. So it was a pretty uh, advanced surgery for the time. And that's what happened. And they went in there not knowing if it was going to be benign or malignant. And it was benign. So I was very lucky. Like, it was just sort of the best case scenario. And and I still have, so I still have half a lung on the left side, which is really great. Because I think with one lung, I might have had to change careers pretty fast. But I, have, <laughs> I used to say, yeah, I'm still keeping up with the boys. So, yeah. Well, uh, wow. That's cool. That was quite a story. It was that uh, you pushed through all this Danali expedition, guided people up to the summit and everything. So during the whole time that you didn't reveal to your teammate that you were having big issues with your breathing and everything? Well, I mean, I took a round of antibiotics. I, you know, so I'm, I mean, I might've been like, oh yeah, I have this cough. Uh, I didn't even know. I, I had no idea, right? Like I had no idea what was wrong with me. So, 
right? Uh, yeah. And, and then yeah. at that time, you could just like maybe this time you have more issue with the altitude, maybe like I don't know. Yeah, I know it's random. Like it hits people randomly sometimes. Like if you have a slight cold and you start going up to altitude, you'll react totally differently than someone who doesn't. Even if you're really fit, like fitness does help. But yeah, so so I didn't know why I wasn't strong. Yeah, I mean, at, at least I was glad that you were strong and young at that time. That so. Uh, yeah. I think that play a very big part that you're having always fit. So yeah, but yeah. it was also why doctors never were like, "Oh, maybe we should do more than just an X-ray." Because <laughs> oh, for yeah. two years, I kept ending up in the hospital. Like I had eight emergency room visits because of um, pneumonia, basically. Right. And they would they would like send me away with asthma medicine, and some they would take X-rays, but X-rays didn't show tumor and so right Whew. wow yeah. i needed more testing which you know people weren't going to do when i had no health insurance exactly yeah that was like another hard well now we have obamacare and your affordable care so it helped yeah. a little bit but it's still kind of there that as a guide a lot of them don't have health insurance and stuff oh yeah and like you know guides having children a female guide having children like i mean these these situations are really hard most people when i was a guide would kind of like be a guide for a couple of years and then become a nurse or a physician's assistant or it would just move on or photographer or something because it was pretty low pay this is actually kind of funny. When I started guiding, I was making $65 a day guiding five people up Mount Baker. <laughs> I think that's so funny. So, yeah. So with that, uh, so during that time you were in law school uh, yeah. and um, trying to get better with your lawn situation. Did you still guiding? Like, were, were you still guiding? Well, no, I guided the summer before law school started. And then I went to law school for only one semester. Oh, okay. Because the second semester I went out on my um, medical leave. So I went on disability leave. I see. For a year with the idea that I would go back. And then I moved to Canada instead and so and went back to guiding I, I think the whole experience made me like really realize that I needed to live um in the moment and take charge of every moment like I just I couldn't not guide I couldn't not be mountains at that time it was so healing for me so I, I continued guiding and finished more of my certifications I remember I think I did my um, Alpine exam very shortly, like six months after my surgery or less. Um, and hopefully Canada has a better health system, right? <laughs> yes, it does. And I have appreciated it greatly. It is definitely an amazing thing to know that I can like have kids, have my kids covered. Um, if something goes really wrong, I don't have to look at the possibility of being in debt and my family going to debt. 
And yeah, I think that might be a good、uh, gateway because it's quite impressive that you raise two kids.、Uh, <laughs> I I did I read the article. I think they are、uh, what not older now.、Uh, I forgot. Uh, maybe. I saw thirteen and ten. Okay, thirteen and ten. Yeah, and、mm-hmm. so you have them for quite a while, and yeah, and for the、yeah. whole time you were still guiding. And I, th- I think I want to dig a little bit deep. I don't have kids. I only have cats,、uh, <laughs> and I already feel like it's really hard. It still work as a guide. <laughs> I, I don't think like I now have a dog. She's amazing. <laughs> But I, I always was like, I can't get a dog until I have kids. <laughs> gotta、yeah. wait till I'm already locked in.、Huh? And、yeah. and so it's like it's kind of nice that you are a living proof that I, woman, female guys can have kids. And I know、mm-hmm. that I have interviewed two other female guys and who raised a kid and her daughter was six year old Andrea in the East Coast, and also Miranda、mm-hmm. who just had a kid. So.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and but it's it's still I think it's a little bit scary because they have to do a lot of adjustments,、um, mm-hmm. and then maybe things will come up, and then back then they could do they have more time to do big objectives, and then、mm-hmm. feel like maybe a little could have a little loss of identity a little bit, and then with focus on the kids, and then. And yada yada. I mean, the the funny thing is, I don't even know how to ask questions on this topic. Yeah, yeah,、uh, yeah. Because I don't have personal experience. So well, let me let、yeah. me talk to, talk to it a little、yeah. bit because、mm-hmm. it 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 was interesting.、Um, this was probably an accident, but I went to the AMGA meeting when Kodiak was a baby. He was like an, a four month old infant, and we're in Boulder, Colorado, and. They're taking photos of all of the mountain guides, and I had Kodiak strapped on, and I was on the edge, and they cut me out. What the okay? That was published, and I I wonder if they just thought or just assumed, because I was like you know some random woman with a baby that I wasn't meant to be in the photo, wasn't really a mountain guide or whatever.、Oh. I'm not sure. Right. But、uh, yeah, it's it was so. <laughs> I mean, there's a whole bunch of things. Like, there's one the perception. Like, as soon as I had kids, I remember having a few of my older friends be like, "You're still working," you know, just couldn't figure out how I would keep doing it. And other ones,、um, yeah, where yeah, of course I would keep working. And yeah, you know, I I stepped back quite a bit. Like, I went into very part time work some of those years. Um, which was good, and it's not that I lost my identity; I gained a new identity. I became mom, and that's my primary identity. And so everything's shifted. I mean, they're my number one everything,、um, and and it's a lot, and they're a lot, and and so I. Uh, I still am totally a climber and a mountaineer and skier and a guide,、um, and I'm balancing all of that. And so, 
those early years were really hard because I kind of thought nothing was going to change and everything changed. So like I went into it with all of this like enthusiasm and like, I'll make it work. I'll just do everything. Um, and my son had a ton of separation anxiety early on. And so it wasn't really, it became really clear that it wasn't really okay for me to go away. Um, and so I went away less and less and um, just tried to find day work. And day work has been awesome. There's lots of, I live in a really good place for that. So, yes. um, and then I still did some really special uh, trips, but um, fewer, a lot fewer. And I missed it. I did actually have a huge loss and like a constant, I kind of say I'm always like slightly frustrated with my climbing goals and career and whatever. Cause I, I always want to do more. I'll like start a project, almost send, and then life gets in the way and I'm doing something else. But you know, in a way that's like, that's, that's almost the beauty of the whole thing. Like I'm actually balancing it. It's not an obsession. It's not more important. Climbing is not more important than my kids. It just isn't. It won't ever be. And so um, I think it's maturity to not be so obsessed that I'm throwing down every other possible goal in my life to, um, or I'm not throwing down my priorities so that I can, you know, send my proj. I do sometimes miss sending my project. <laughs> I'm always wanting to climb more. Like it's my it's my joy and my happiness and my happy place and um, yeah. Yeah, but I guess this is life. You just have to pick your priority at that moment. And then right now your priority is uh, yeah yeah yeah. And so right now, I'm, so I'm divorced. So I have um, my kids week on week off. And on the week on, if I don't have support, I kind of can't work or that's the way it's been um, because guiding work doesn't actually fit daycares. So without a nanny or a family, um, it's so just to like put the struggle really clear, like it's it's extremely stark. Like I would be a negligent parent, um, less so as they're aging, like I've started to actually work sometimes when they're around, I just arrange play dates and stuff, but, but it has to be rare. Otherwise I'll be like a play date arranging, um, whirlwind, you know, it's, it's like another whole job. So, um, but up until about this year, it's like, I either have my mother around, have a hired babysitter. And why would I hire a babysitter and pay them almost as much as I make in that day? Right. Um, or they're with their dad. So now I have this, um, you know, trade off and balance and it's so, yeah, it makes work really hard. I've had a lot of support. My mother lives here about six months of the year now, which has been amazing, but, but there's a lot of time when, when, uh, managing is a struggle. Yeah. Right. and figuring out how to work and so that's part of it is that guiding work the hours are really long so they don't fit into any daycare hours or or after school and before school hours and so um 
like in the winter when I'm ski guiding, I have to show up at a morning meeting in Whistler at 7 a.m. So I'm leaving here at 6 a.m. I often don't get home until 6 p.m. because there's an evening meeting. And, um, that's a really long work day. So I am excited about having my uh, new counseling business because I can work within school hours. I mean, what a beauty and gift that is to be able to, um, yeah. And wow. So yeah, t tell me more about your new career. So how did you yeah. get into counseling? Um, yeah. Instead of like keeping on your law school path. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, the law school was in, I wanted to be an environmental lawyer, I wanted to help change people's I wanted to have the power to change people, people's behavior. So I thought that becoming a lawyer would help with that. Um, and then, yeah, I became a counselor living a little, living a lot, I guess. I always kind of have had a habit in my life of jumping in feet first to things, and it's given me quite a lot of experience. Um, and and um, I've been through a lot at this point, and I've seen a lot of family suffering or friends suffering, and um, I yeah, went through counseling, which has been like a giant self-help program for me. It's really been wonderful. Uh, and I, yeah, I'm hoping to integrate the two actually. The so, integrate like the mountain and counseling, guiding and yeah. counseling. Is... Yeah. So, um, one of the things I want to do is start small group, um, like three day rock climbing course where, I take, mm, let's say, mm, a group of mothers who are working um, out their issues with having kids with autism, for example, or or something like that. And and I teach them all the skills of how to set up rope, top ropes, and so they can all get together whenever they want afterwards. They have an activity they can do, but really, it's just sort of like introducing them to each other working out how to deal with this issue in their lives, um, helping them understand how much they're not alone and what the stigma involved is. And um, so, and then also in a healthy environment, right? So, and something where, you know, they're getting some self-care in the process. So um, that's just one example, but I think the, the, I really like working in with groups, small groups. And so I think that, you know, doing, group work on skis or on the rock in the mountains in any capacity can be really healing for people. And yeah, so I'm hoping to, to expand that right now. I'm just starting a counseling. Like I literally just started like last week. So oh, okay. I, yeah. Uh, but you just, have this plan. Yes. 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 And I have like specialties. I work a lot with, um, difficult family dynamics, relationships, divorces, domestic violence, um, working with kids with neurodiversities, um, trauma, addictions. Um, yeah, even. Well, those were like hard cases. Yeah, 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 it, they are. And then, and then, so right now at, well, you just started, so right now it's more like 
say talking cons- counseling kind of talking therapy kind of thing or yeah. okay yeah. Yeah. yeah so like you know the, the classic one hour session i see yeah. and then eventually you hope that you can bring in the back country or rock cliff or stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. And actually, that remind me, I read the, this paragraph from an article that I found online that, uh, well, so it's, I think I found this article from your Arteryx profile. And uh, so you mentioned, well, this is a quote that uh, you mentioned that the quote is, to be honest, a lot of my guiding missions, expeditions throughout the years have have felt like therapy uh mm. so is that like how you want so that's why you think that you can weave that experience together with this yeah, yeah i do i do i think that there's there's a lot of therapeutic elements to um being in the mountains and and even even pushing ourselves in the mountains because I think when we're slightly pushed, when we're slightly scared or even just physically um, pushing our limits, it sort of mimics a trauma response. And so like, like you're activated, your heart's beating and, and it's a really special opportunity to be able to deal with that trauma response in a and like learn how to deal with it calmly and without overreacting to to it. So I think that a lot of what happens with trauma is that we'll we'll kind of get activated in that like fight fight flight freeze response, and and it's so uncomfortable we need to get out of it right away. And so we try and avoid. And um, yeah, when we're in that state in the mountains, we can learn and teach ourselves, oh, there are reasons sometimes when I get activated and it doesn't have to have that same, it's it's actually not dangerous. Like I can do this, this makes sense. I can keep moving, I can, right? And so it's like a way to kind of work with your own nervous system and help it to um, come into a more regulated state. And so. I see. So there will be like the, the parallel uh, or a similarity between these two experiences. And if they can overcome this in this environment, then they can bring back to the real life. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. And then then there's just the fact that it's just such a great environment for talking, like walking and talking. I feel like a lot of the times I'm ski touring, you know, we we get into real stuff, like we're having real conversations. Cause, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's a nice environment and it's a um, good time to be reflective when you're in fresh air and surrounded by beautiful glaciers. Yeah, that remind me that when I just started guiding, I found that having conversation with people is actually my biggest challenge is just like, okay, I don't know this person. I don't know their culture. I don't know a lot of things. I was like, well, they didn't teach me how to do this thing. Yeah. yeah yeah no and i it is it's like actually a challenge but what a neat thing to like have the opportunity to be open to people and learn things from them right and learn other ways to live or other perspectives and yeah, yeah i've learned a lot from my guests throughout the years 
Nice. Um, and yeah, that's actually another piece for me is like trying to kind of decolonize guiding a little bit. Like, I think we've had a, a big um, kind of like we're one entitlement, like entitled, we're entitled to the mountains. We're entitled to like this activity and this pursuit and also like that summit hunger Um and also a little bit of elitism in the sport. And I, I really think that sometimes that elitism has caused some um, forms of, of exclusion to some people, like just some people think that they can't um, do the sport because it seems like it's like a white male only sort of, you know, and all the yes. photos and, you know, they're changing that. Like, you know, Arcteryx has a lot of diversity. Things nice. Happening. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are changing all of these. Um, but it's slow to change. And so, you know, I still think that, you know, most of my clients throughout the years have been, um, you know, wealthier, middle-aged white men you know mm-hmm. which isn't a bad thing it's wonderful I've I've enjoyed all my time with the, these people but I also think that it would be lovely to have that be more open to other yes um just for for people from any culture background colors orientations to to feel like oh yeah I could see me doing that let's go do that right yeah, certainly. And I have a question on that note. Also, from the same article, I've, you have this uh, phrase that you use. You say this mindful self-compassion. And you also compare that with self-esteem. And you mentioned that uh, mindful oh, yeah. self-compassion is the most beautiful concept. Um, and self-esteem is often what we think we are going after, but self-esteem is conditional. So I, I kind of like, I would love you to elaborate on that comparison mm-hmm. and what your definition of these two terms. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd have to reference Kristen Neff for that. She's, she wrote the book, Mindful Self-Compassion. And uh, I, I really, seriously recommend it to anyone um i like yeah i think actually a lot of my work as a counselor is just like all the various ways we can access self-compassion to heal i think that actually a lot of what we've done in in our um internally is um we think that we can motivate ourselves through punishing ourselves um, and we're, we often can be our own worst enemy and, uh, actually like no one knows ourselves better than ourselves. And so only us can be, um, the best friends to ourselves because no one else really fully understands us. And so, uh, yeah, to thrive and to be truly resilient, I think we need self-compassion rather than and so so because okay self-compassion is based on the idea that like everybody in our culture and society is going to have ups and downs in life so 
it's normal to have a bad day, year, week. Um, we're all just in various levels of, of uh, this hard thing called life, right? And so you begin with this sense that there's common humanity. And then, and then realizing that if you, if you have self-esteem, that's great. But self-esteem is going to be the sense that like, oh, I'm really confident because I'm really good at this. Right. But you're not always going to be good at everything. And, and so self-compassion is this ability to be like, oh, wow. Like, I really struggled with that today or I didn't do that perfectly. Um, so I need to um, give myself some grace and say, oh, well, I'll do better tomorrow. So in my world or in my, in my perspective, I think that if you have self-compassion rather than self-esteem, you're more likely to actually see clearly your mistakes because you're not going to be like, punishing yourself for your mistakes, which hurts and causes you to, um, yeah, maybe have shame or some sort of feeling that you want to avoid. But if you have self-compassion, you can, you can actually look more clearly at, at, um, yeah, say in a guiding day, how you performed and you can error correct rather than doubling down on your error right like some people would maybe make an error and and then be like no I didn't I didn't do that no you know I would never do that and that that's like a lack of being capable of making errors so just realizing that we all err and that um like in the guiding world error correction is a really big thing and and also destigmatizing errors like in a lot of industries, that's that's a really big thing. Is just getting to a point um, in our industry where we can share mistakes and accidents with each other without being like, "Why did you do that?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just understanding that, like, you know, we're all gonna have have ups and downs, you know, and yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess I never really think about the this conditional sense of self-esteem is based on probably many assumptions. Uh, yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's beautiful. I, I like mm. that. I, so, uh, it seems like, you know, um, in a sense uh, what I get away is like, well, you know, be, be comfortable of who I am. Mm. And, um, but don't over like just don't over punish myself because realize that's like a natural state that people just gonna have this wavy flow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You love good days and bad days, and and you know when we when we struggle, if we if we punish ourselves, if we if we like beat ourselves up, you're more likely to feel. Um, strong negative emotions like shame or whatever and then you're more likely to avoid it and then not address the problem and not address the pattern and repeat it right so i think you know we think that the only way we're going to motivate ourselves to change or to do better is to punish ourselves and i disagree we do better by 
um, you know, gently loving ourselves and, and being able to really see clearly. And so uh, with this new counseling business or career, do you see yourself uh, with dial down on the traditional guiding a little bit or? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not stopping. I'm like, I'm still doing a full with Sir Heli ski, ski season this winter. And right. Um, yeah, I can't. Well, maybe one day I'll stop doing traditional guiding, but I don't know. I, I mean, still am for money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, and still I love it. Yeah. And cause it's just what I do. And so, you know, I'm, I'm mixing them both up right now and doing a little of both separately. And ideally one day I'll do them both together. More like integrated. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, then I kind of want to ask, um, well, guiding life also have up and downs, I think. Uh, what would you say? Um, I, I am kind of found the conversation I'm assuming is your love of mountains and your love of people kind of keep mm -hmm. you in this industry. So what else that you enjoy about guiding? Mm -hmm. I like feeling good in my body and I've done a, I think that like guiding has kept me fit, especially with those early years of parenting. I think it can be really hard because women, mothers, fathers too, are so overwhelmed with the sudden demands and uh, stressors in their lives that it's hard to fit in exercise. Whereas my work is exercise. So I actually didn't ever recreate, like almost ever. Like I had way fewer recreation days for myself. Um, but thank goodness my guiding days gave me my fitness. And so I enjoy, I just enjoyed that. I enjoyed that like my, my guiding days are so similar to a recreation day. And it just kept me getting out there and, um, yeah, so that's actually a big one, is just the fitness level. And and then mm, I think facilitating getting other people into the mountains has been, like for me, I've needed purpose. And I think one of the things, I think we all need purpose in our lives. And sometimes guiding has felt like there's a little less purpose. Like for example, in COVID, we were like not essential workers. You know, so there's this like, you know, that's like such a little like, oh, well, bummer. Okay, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then, and then just the sense that you're, you're working with a lot of very privileged people. Like I work with a lot of people who have a lot of money a lot of the time. And, but, um, and like wanting to do, I think working with like my desire to do more, like I've loved working with like at risk youth or big city mountaineers or. Um, she moves mountains even, right? Like all these organizations have given me more purpose throughout the years, but um, I think just the general sense that I'm bringing people into this beautiful place and showing how we can engage with it in a um, way that improves all of us 
Yeah, and it's actually interesting、uh, to hear that you say the guiding can help you to keep your fitness, because、uh, so from some of the other guys and also like myself in- included, we I felt that、uh, guiding actually conflict with my personal say personal climbing goals, because I、oh, can't、yeah. achieve say because I'm so tired I can't train, so、mm-hmm. I'm 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 trying to maintain. Uh, mm-hmm. This level, but now probably it's very hard for me to improve、uh, mm-hmm. to the next level. That's kind of what I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah. Would Would you ever thought that way, or? Yeah, you need lots of hangboards. You put hangboards <laughs> on every door frame in your、okay. house. Yeah, <laughs> and then you'll still beat yourself up for not ever hanging on them. <laughs> yeah, that's.、Uh, I, yes, yes. I mean, I I keep general fitness. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, my standards have changed because I have kids a little、right. bit. You、yes. know, like I'm generally fit, but yeah, I'm not like, I'm not like five thirteen fit. You know, <laughs> so、uh, I just have to sometimes, and I do very often, just kind of cope with the fact that oh yeah, I'm, my fingers aren't gonna be pulling me up my project today. You know.、Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think with a really good. So my friend Madeline Sorg was just here. I was just totally loving. You should interview her too.、Um, she was putting me on a on a bit of a training program. It's just finger fit. It's fingers. Like I just need to, yeah, do more fingerboarding. I think because that's. You can. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't just guide for fitness. I also. I also do train, and you know, I give myself an hour a day, every day. Okay, I see. Yeah, yeah. Good thing fingers. It's not like I'm not take that long. Yeah, and then I don't beat myself up when I don't, because I can't, because life gets busy and. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, but I think that's actually one of the things about guiding that I've liked. It's not that. Just guiding keeps me fit. It's that I have to stay fit for guiding, so I always justify it as part of my work to get my one hour in every day.、Oh. And sometimes my one hour is is short. It's like a short hour. It's like you know my thirty three minute run. So I you know it's like I just do what I can and I fit in little bits here and there. And and so yeah, guiding just the fact that my job requires that I'm super fit keeps me. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I like that you said that even you don't do say if you say one hour, you don't do it for one hour. Don't beat yourself up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, that's yeah.、Like、yeah.、It. And that took some time. <laughs> <Yeah> . Nice. And then、yeah. I actually have some listeners questions. This is actually the first time I finally got listeners questions. I'm pretty excited. Oh, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. So, all right.、Um, we actually already went through some of them、uh, during our conversation, but we haven't gotten this one.、Uh, so, the listener asks that、uh, what climbing route is her most work for and the proudest accomplishment. Mm, okay, that's nice. I like that question.、Um, I feel like that question is something that's like in my future. In your future, nice. Yeah, like that was actually one of the things Madeline Sorkin really inspired me. 
the movie um, that Hannah, her partner, made of the um, Root on the Diamond and just the amount of work it took, you know, that was actually one of the conversations we kept having is that I don't put a ton of work into my roots because of my, I, you know, I've put a ton of work into my getting my master's in counseling recently and my children recently. And, um, but I do actually, I do work for things and I have been very proud of various roots. So like, that's a good question and I kind of want to give it a good answer. It's going to take me a minute to think about. Um, hmm. I mean, I think actually I just climbed a root sundog with my girlfriend, Lisa, in the Waddington range. And like, we didn't, I didn't work at it. So I guess that doesn't quite, but I had to work to get there. And, and it was just a classic example of like, like what I love about climbing. So we're in the Waddington range and no one else is around. Um, and this route has been climbed like, I don't know, two, two or three times. I have no idea, but not a lot. And and the weather was kind of swirling. It's really committing. It's going to take all day. It's in weird early season conditions. There was ice and snow all over it. And um, I think the technical difficulty was like 11A or something. So like not super hard, but um, all of the climbing and the route finding was super hard. And, and I had two like totally broken fingers. So I just, I, Tim Emmett taught me how to fix it, how to deal with bad fingers. He's like, just tape it completely solid. So I had like tape everywhere, just like solid fingers. So I couldn't really use my fingers and we're, we're like in and out of mountain boots and, and rock shoes. And, um, you know, there's like kind of blood everywhere and, and we're going for it and we trust each other. And, um, some of the leads were just taking so long because like, you're like, sort of like having to, you think this is the route, but then there's a waterfall on it. So then you're avoiding it. And then it's suddenly 512 and with loose rock and sandy rock. And I think just like facilitating an experience like that and all it takes to even get there and just to be strong enough. And then to like realize in the moment, oh, well, you know, my fingers aren't amazing. You know, I've sliced open my hand. I'm, you know, uh, you know, we're just kind of giving her with all we have in the moment. I think that that was that's sort of one of my yeah favorite experiences. Nice. I mean, you yeah. you, you say it so kindly, but I know how much skills that's involving all this short session. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it was a lot, you know, there was like, yeah, we had to kind of aid climb through some weird ice chimneys and, wow. um, yeah. Nice. Yeah. And, and then, um, and this question say, um, how does she get boundaries between her personal and guide life or do they mm -hmm. intermesh? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, there's so many different ways to interpret that question. So I wonder how to, um, 
how to put that out there. It's, I think it's, it's like a weird thing. Sometimes I find like, like one way to interpret that question is like, is like, do you find yourself guiding your friends and do you ever want to charge them for <laughs> something like that? Or what happens when you're guiding friends over and over or guiding people, your clients, and then you become friends and how do you deal with that? And I think it's actually a little easier than with counseling. I'm just entering like a really tricky one um, where, you know, we call those dual relationships. It's, it's a complex thing. Um, Yeah. So, so that's one way to interpret that question. And I think it's just like, in general, I, I try and acknowledge and accept the fact that like, I, I need to be paid for my work. So when I'm working, I, I get paid for it. And then other times I find myself I'm out on fr- with friends on a route that I normally guide because they're less experienced and that's okay. Like I, I still treat that that's recreation and I actually conduct myself differently and enjoy ourselves. Um, and then, and then the other way is just like, how do I balance guiding and personal climbing? And I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I often like don't recreate enough anymore because I do too much. Yeah, I you have so much on your plate. Right yeah, I mean, it's. I still, I still do when I try to, and I have these wonderful moments, um, where it seems like everything's working out and it's blissful. But, whew, I, you know, what I've been doing lately is I had just been going to the climbing gym, and it's summer, and there's nice weather, and it's like it's kind of pathetic. But I'm just like, you know what? Sometimes I need to have my exercise fit into my one hour slot because I'm working and um, I'm just too busy to go sport climbing for a whole half day or or do a multi-pitch for a whole day or right so I really love half day climbing that's one of the things I've been doing a lot of um yeah nice yeah I see let me just flip through my notes really quick that to see uh I want to ask you questions. Oh, me? I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Are you in Seattle right no, now? No, I was in Seattle uh, for the summer. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. I came back. So I, I live in Las Vegas. So I guy in Red Rock mostly. Oh, nice. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> and uh, see. So I'm curious about that. So you, you set out to wanted wanting to be a guy very early on right have you when you were a kid have you ever thought about some other profession that you might want to take on when i was a kid i wanted to um save the dolphins save the dolphins yeah (laughs) i wanted to like be on the greenpeace ship and yeah I actually did do like I I mean that I think is why I studied environmental science university uh and in a way like I just wanted to um help humans balance their needs with environmental protections and and so that was kind of a big goal for me up until I think I became more compelled I mean, I still am have those goals, right? But I think I just the bigger issues kind of started coming up in my life of just like other human human suffering. So that's partly the counseling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 
Yeah. Oh gosh. I, what else did I want to do? I guess I really wanted to be a guide and I guided. It's almost my only job ever. Um, I guess I was a waitress for a little while, (laughs) Uh, but yeah, in terms of big goals and dreams, it was like that. And then the lawyering and then. Right. And now the counseling. Mm -hmm. Nice. I mean, to be honest, I, I didn't, it's not like I have any expectation of what this conversation is going to be, but I just, I enjoy it a lot. You are such a warm and wonderful person. You said it as is, but it involves, um, a lot of hardship there. And mm-hmm. I have to say that I, uh, uh, I heard some like early stories about you and I was just like, wow, maybe this person, Julia is like, she did all the things. Maybe she has a very strong personality, <laughs> but not at all that I was like, Whoa, it's so nice to talk with you. It's nice to talk to you too. And, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I also <laughs> always like this, these two questions I ask uh, for all everybody is um, so for your guiding career. So not like not just your personal climbing or skiing careers. Like, uh, sorry, it's kind of cliche, but I kind of also want to know what is the proudest moment of your guiding okay. career. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Hmm. Hmm. You almost have to like separate it into decades or something for me. Because <laughs> uh, there have been lots of lots of proud moments. Yeah. Throughout it, the years. You can tell me like a couple, maybe the early yeah, yeah. one or, or the recent one, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, like, yeah, the early ones were, were like just kind of establishing myself and my confidence and getting over that imposter syndrome. And, and so like, just, I think being honored with like running a um, 12 day mountaineering course in Alaska or that kind of thing, like, and then, and then doing a really good job, like that, that was, yeah, that was maybe, and that was after my lung surgery. Um, I remember that being a really good trip and it led to like clients seeking me out afterwards and wanting me to take them, you know, to other places in the world. And, and that was really wonderful. So, so I think that's, that's one of them is just like, like showing people a really good time in a very remote area, picking objectives and getting them to lots of summits and, and um, infecting them with major climbing bugs. Um, So yeah, that, I think that was one of them, that 12 day mountaineering course that, oh gosh, it must've been like 2007 or eight, or it was before I had kids. That was a big one for me. Cause I, I had just done uh, an exam and I was just at the top of my game and um, really into sh- showing people a good time. And then um, recently, I, you know, I actually, mm, I could say a bunch. One with heli skiing, with heli skiing hasn't been my like primary thing. I've mostly been a ski touring mountain guide. Um, And so I've started taking more full-time work with Whistler Heli in the last couple of years. And it's such a different pace. It's extremely fast paced, a lot going on. 
um, entering into terrain really quickly, um, having to choose runs that are going to, you know, work for guests. And um, I really kind of am learning a lot really fast and, and starting to um, gain enough skills so that I feel like I can do a really good job at that is fun. And just knowing all the, the runs and the terrain, it's, it's a huge tenure. Um, and the, I really like that as well because it's working with a team. And so um, it's fun. It's interesting and fun to work with different dynamic personalities and um, a lot of mentors of mine that um, have, have been very welcoming and taking me under their wing and taught me lots. So, so yeah, I think that's something I'm really proud of. And then the other thing I'm proud of is um, a couple of trips I ran uh, ski touring at a Kokanee cabin. And um, I remember I started this one trip, I had 15 guests and I was like so intimidated. They were all like ski patrollers and whatnot. And a bunch of them had actually already been there before. And uh, they ended up being kind of my best friends. So, you know, it was, and, and, it was a really wonderful experience and time and, and uh, just approaching that terrain with the right amount of humility and realizing that I really could trust myself as a guide that I um, can enter terrain sight unseen and guide people safely through it and, um, and have a really good time in the process. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that those, those kinds of things were, were uh, big moments in my in my guiding career. Gosh. Most recently, I've really loved working with She Moves Mountains. That oh. organization has been really fun. That is nice. Yeah, I probably should also interview uh, Lizzie too. Yep. <laughs> As She yep. Moves Mountains. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's there's other things that I'm getting. Um, you know, learning more with, um, I've been starting to do some um, mountain rescue training with search and rescue teams here yeah. in the local area. And that's been, that's been really fun and a good technical challenge for me as I learn more about where they're coming from with the standards required for their um, rescue systems. And, um, yeah, so that's and um so if say uh say say the, the listeners listen to this episode and then if they can only take one thing away say what would you wish that they take away mm. well i think just work towards self-compassion self-compassion yeah I think to, to me, that's like the biggest thing. And, and, you know, self-compassion and compassion for others. It's, it's both. So, so to me, the purpose of life, I'm going to give like the big life wisdom is to work towards grace. And grace is defined as balancing the needs of yourself with the needs of others. And that's a dynamic process. It's always going to look different, but 
some of us have a problem of not elevating our own needs into our lives and awareness and balances and others have problems sometimes with the other really we all have problems probably with both sometimes but um that to me is is uh the highest goal of mine as opposed to like just happiness or growth it's it's great yeah yeah thank you so much um yeah it's wonderful and i know that you have the counseling business coming up uh well it's just started um so and also you're still guiding obviously you don't really do that much social media right so what if people want to find you uh i'm just wondering that whether you have anything that people can find you on yep i just um just started a website just it's very very basic for both counseling and guiding i'm now fully insured with both and people can just hire me directly if they want to um i'm calling my guide my counseling and guiding business mountain mindset mountain Um, mindset okay mountain mindset website well the url website is actually julianiles.ca so it's very just julianiles.ca but then you'll get to my mountain mindset counseling and guiding I see web page. And I am meaning to link more through my Facebook page and my Instagram. My Instagram is julia.niles. Um, so yeah, I'll post a link up there soon. Nice. But yeah. I'm not very good with social media. I should be better. I know that that's, but I think I, I, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm complex. also, yeah. Just like yeah. how much, yeah, I I have kids. I want to post about my kids, but then like maybe that's, you know, <laughs> in, invading their privacy, especially now that they're mm. entering their teenage years. And then, you know, I don't want to, yeah, I just. Right. Definitely. I mean, the, this, uh, how much and what you share is always also another balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should share more though. I I have a lot of, um, yeah, neat neat parts of life I'd I'd like to share. So maybe I'll get better. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, because I think a lot of people want to know. Uh, your mm-hmm. stories are very good. Um, mm-hmm. It's very inspiring. Yeah, and yeah. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, I'm, I feel so honored to interview you, and then mm-hmm. I'll follow up with. A little material I need to post this online uh, through email and everything. Yeah, I just want to say thank you for what you're doing. I think oh. it's really neat, actually. And uh, I was nervous. I don't always just like you know talk <laughs> super eloquently, but I, I um, I think it's really beautiful to just elevate the female voices. And also, I've listened to a bunch of your podcasts and just the. Um, you know, understanding the the issues that come up for us female guides is huge and just working towards, I think, and hopefully changing the industry and normalizing female guides. And like, you know, even just like wearing tights. I love that. (laughs) Yes, we need that discussion. Like it needs to be okay for us to wear what fits our bodies and, you know, 
I, so long. Oh, thank you for telling me that because at that time when I re listened to that paragraph, I was just like, wow, we are talking about the clothes, but we are, but, so I wasn't sure that whether that was a good paragraph put in there but then no, I, I think just, it's so good it's so good and you know for me I'm like I come from a very privileged position I like I'm I'm white and I'm cisgendered and um I you know I am female though so I can I can see what oppression feels like and I can just only imagine it's um been more challenging for you know lots of us women especially in other positions and and i also really appreciate the um you know body shaming yeah culture climate culture issues and and working towards um really opening our minds to understanding that you know we all can be climbers and really yeah definitely we should, we should yeah. not work towards a norm we should work towards difference yeah i mean and the diversity is beautiful diversity. yeah okay yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much yeah made me feel like i'm actually doing something really good <laughs> you are you're yeah. doing something really really good and just recording these voices and you know the fact that i can listen to amy barnes speak anytime I is was... just the biggest gift that you ever have given the world thank you so much for yeah. that I was so sad um, hearing that news, and and the funny thing—not should, I should not say funny thing—the thing is, I uh, I was editing her podcast. I almost accidentally delete, <gasps> and and I was just like, no, uh, I lost my work, and then. I found out that oh I have I still have the original file. So I have to re edit. Oh. But I was just like, oh, oh my God. I was, like, I was oh. so devastated. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So Yeah. I'm heading to her memorial. Yeah. On, on Thursday I'm going to Jackson. So Yeah. Yeah, why well, I'm so glad you didn't delete. I, I mean I was like, oh my god, no. Uh and I found the, the very, very original file because mm -hmm. I was editing the file and somehow my computer just froze. So then I couldn't recover that the edited version. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. must have cost you some time. Yeah, but uh, time was not an issue. I was, uh, I, was, I was just so worried that I, was just, I lost all this wonderful yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Well, if I'm ever in Vegas, I would love to get in touch and go climbing if well, you're sure. interested. Yeah. I'll, I'll uh, train up my fingers so I can keep up. With you. <laughs> I don't know. You are like, I probably still climb harder than I can climb. But I anyway. really, I really want to go and free climb Rainbow Wall. I have done. Oh yeah, I mean we should go do that. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that would that, really be, cool. be a, a fun one. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I've tried before. But... <laughs> I I did it once. I didn't free it though. So. Um... Nice. So that's still uh, awesome. a goal too. Mm -hmm. awesome. uh, okay, well, take care. Yeah. And hope you have a good week. And, and you too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, safe travels.